Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 115. This is an exciting episode because not only is it a nice, uh, a nice number, like 115 is just a nice, like I was going to say even, it's not even, but it like, you know, it just feels like it's a, in terms of like the, like in terms of 115, just like 115 feels good. Is that just me? Am I weird? I don't know. 115 feels nice. Um, anyway, in addition to it being a nice number of an episode, it's also the final episode of Artifice Season 4. So I'm going to take a break. Um, as per usual, I'm going to take the month of December off and I'll be back in January. I have eight episodes already recorded and ready to go. I just finished an interview this morning and it was a really, really fun one. Um, I have an awesome variety of mediums. Um, and people coming up in the next um, little while, and I'll be scheduling and recording more interviews starting in January as well. So I'll miss you over the next um, couple of weeks, but also I'll be doing some much-needed R&R, um, you know, and plenty of work, if we're being honest. But it'll be the kind of work that has no schedule, which is sometimes my favorite kind of work. Um, okay. Today's episode is with a new friend, Jake Thompson, who is an artist whose medium is human hair, um, color, cuts, all the things. Um, I loved talking with Jake. We uh, get into a lot of subjects that I really love. Um, okay, gosh, in terms of announcements, um, okay, wait, yeah, you guys will be hearing this the week, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Um you know, watch my website for some great Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales. I haven't decided yet whether I'll do any extra kind of cool things in December, but I might I have some ideas. We'll just, we'll, I'll see. And then uh, track three from the Hallowed Wide is going to be out in January. So stay tuned for those. Um, and I guess the only other news is just, I mean, or the only other thing that I want to kind of say is enjoy your holidays. We all deserve it. I hope that everyone who's listening gets to spend some much needed quality time with loved ones. Um, and you know, gets to eat some great food. I hope we get to eat some great food and share some beautiful time. And I hope that we all get some rest. We, we all need it. We all deserve it. Okay. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Jake Thompson now. As a child, Jake knew he was destined to become big. He was unaware of the path he was going to take until his mom suggested hairdressing. Once he enrolled in hair school, he knew it was a perfect fit. Throughout his career, his passion for educating others has flourished. This passion took him everywhere from classrooms to international hair shows to working with companies like Redken, Sexy Hair Concepts, Scruples, Milben, and... Uh, Revlon style masters. Besides educating and working behind the chair, Jake creates artistic hair collections that have been published in multiple magazines, including, and then there's a, a list of a bunch of magazines. Um, and then he also lists a bunch of incredible awards. These will be in the show notes so you can look, but I will, 
I will get boring reading all of these. Okay, so final paragraph. Jake travels the world inspiring and educating students and audiences in the fashion and hair industry. In addition, Jake has learned the art of photography and now shoots and edits not only his own collections, but other artists' as well. He was co-owner at Lunatic Fringe Salon in Sugar House, Utah, which was his home from 2003 to 2018. Currently, he resides at the South Temple Lunatic Fringe location. Um, yeah, everybody, I hope this is a, uh, this is one that you love, a great send off for season four. Um, like I said, I will be back for season five, the first Tuesday in January of 2022. Um, I don't know. Are we having a good feeling about the new year? Thinking about resolutions yet? Thinking about big dreams that we have for next year? I am. I already am. Okay. I'll stop talking now. Please enjoy your holidays and please enjoy this interview with Jake Thompson. Here it comes. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists. And I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. I actually had an interview yesterday, too. I interviewed a, a master gardener. It's kind of cool. A master gardener. I yeah. like it. Because I like to interview people from all kinds of mediums. Um, do you need more? Are, are your headphones stuck? Do you have enough, like, cable? You don't, your head's no, not stuck? Yeah, okay, there's plenty of cable wrapped up under there, so. All right. Should we get started? Let's get started. Okay, awesome. So I, I start with everybody in the same place. Um, which is, I'd love to know what you were like as a creative child. Well, as a creative child, I was somebody that, um, well, first off, I was was different, yeah. right? I think that all um, artists are different in some sort of way, but I didn't really ever know what my medium was. I enjoyed, uh, I, I think one of my enjoyments in high school, that's kind of when I discovered I was really artistic, was working with charcoal. Okay, cool. Like draw, drawing mostly. Cool. Yeah. Um, where did you grow up? I grew up in, um, West Valley. Okay, uh, Utah. Yeah. So we were, I was born in California, but I grew up pretty much here. I went to all of my schooling okay. in Utah. And do you have siblings? Yeah. I have an older brother. We're 16 months apart. And then okay. I have an older sister. Um, she's, uh, nine years ahead of me. Okay. Okay, so when you were little, like younger, like I would say like under the age of 12, um, were you doing like, was your, did you feel like your play was creative? Like, I'm curious about, I'm curious about the origins of creativity and especially like just in retrospect as we as adult creatives are kind of just looking back, um, you know, maybe kind of like what your like identity was like as a little kid. Um, I don't know. Did you like consuming like creative media just what what was your brain like as a as like a littler kid um I, th I think when I was you know I, again like um I I, I didn't really I, I didn't identify like later on well early, early on again I I was different I was very shy yeah I was very um 
I, I didn't have this, I didn't know what my outlet was. Sure. Um, and I think that, you know, so many people were so like my brother was very, um, he was very school driven. He was very smart, linear. Right. And I was very, you know, I was in remedial reading and like remedial math. And so I just didn't, I, I could read a sentence or, and, or a paragraph in school and I would have no idea what I just read. Yeah. And so I didn't know how to make it um, interesting, like until later on. And I didn't know how to, because if I'm not really interested in something, I'm kind it's of like, doesn't stick. yeah, it doesn't stick yeah. at all. And so, so do you remember, and like, I know retrospect is like fuzzy, but I, I like talking about it. Right. Do you remember feeling like this? Like, how did you think about this? Like different feeling? Like, how did you, um, was it like a negative, a positive, like just a thing? Like, how did you self-reference that? Um, different feeling. I, 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 I mean, again, like th- this is what was so interesting is I didn't really, I, until like later on, I, I, I didn't know because back in the day, I mean, I'm, I'm 40, I'll be, I'm 43 now. And so I talk about this with like a lot of my clients now is that there's so much outlet now. I think that people sure. have so much to like know if they're different and they can search things out like back in the day like you know like the internet wasn't really a thing and it you didn't certainly know how to wasn't a thing anything yeah. and yeah. so when you I, were a kid yeah even <laughs> when i was a kid there was i'm 33 so when i was a kid there was no internet but yeah i mean i do find like i like hearing adult creatives talk about their childhoods because sometimes they'll say things like you know I was just entertained by like the rocks in my backyard. <laughs> like, you know, even if it's like a different kind of a feeling, but I, regardless, I think it's kind of an interesting topic. Yeah. My mom always says that I was really just, I started to play around with things a lot. I did pottery. I did things cool. in school that were, you know, creative to me, you know, she's like, Oh, you were an artist from the very beginning. And I would like, look at it. And I was like, yeah, I, I guess, but it's really super, look at it. You know what I mean? Or it's just play. Yeah. Like right. that you were drawn to like things that were like more tactile maybe. Right. Okay. Cool. You know, and cool. I was, I was always somebody that worked with my hands and I think that's where I kind of stem from, like even where we are today with my arts and what I do with my art. But I was always somebody that you know, I didn't know how to visualize it until later on in life. And I think that mm-hmm. early on in my life, it was something that I just had to kind of play with and I would mold and recreate. And that's really what was the very yeah. beginning of the art. Cool. So at the very beginning, when you were little, what kinds of stuff were you like you had clay? Was there anything else that you think is worth? Um, again, the things that really stick out to me was, um, you know, uh, there was uh clay and you know nothing that really you know there was a lot of drawing there was a lot of crayons there was a lot of um, colored pencils I was very particular about keeping my art supplies in order you know yeah yeah (laughs) I think that comes in uh you know I didn't really want those to get too destroyed you know I wasn't one of those crazy artists that just like I was like that as a kid too like very um like if there was something that I found valuable, I was super protective about it. Right. Like I didn't want anyone to touch it. Um, and like I had this when I was little, I had this uh, like porcelain figurine collection and I would like do my little chores and like save up my 
money and like go to the Disney store at the mall and buy like a little Disney porcelain figurine. And uh, I would just like, as a little kid, like probably like, you know, seven, eight years old, would just like go in with like Q-tips and just like dust my figurines and arrange them just so. And I was like very particular about it. It's like a whole thing. <laughs> That's actually really funny because, yeah. you know, um, you know, being being um, an artist, I have a very particular way about how I, you know, wrap up my chords for, you know, I have a very particular way about how I keep all of my scissors, you know, yeah. in orderly. And then from very on, because again, like you're taking care of the stuff that allows you to create and, you know, the hair pieces that I work on and just early on, like I just had a very particular, you know, system. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. A system. Yes. I totally get it. Um, final question about the childhood. Was anyone else in your family creative and like how was kind of creativity just like discussed in the home if if at all well no I, so th- that's the thing it's like i don't uh my sister wasn't really somebody that was too creative uh my brother uh was not either i think my mom would have had would have been really creative because her and i are very very similar yeah but her her mother and her child didn't embrace it and sure. didn't bring it out. And yeah. my mom broke that spell and, you know, was very encouraging for me to kind of follow my passion, That's which great. is like art. Yeah. So I think that, you know, I think our parents and really um, allow us to kind of follow our passions. I certainly agree. Yeah. I mean, my, my parents weren't supportive of my creativity and I kind of had to like, because I, I mean, I've interviewed like over a hundred artists, all different mediums. And most of the people I talked to, which was something that surprised me a lot when I first started, um, most of the people that I talked to had really supportive parents, which is, I mean, was a shocker to me. Um, But I think those of us who didn't have supportive parents feel like creativity was like the, the, the safety. Um, But it is, it is remarkable to me how many like the percentage of adult creatives whose parents were very supportive which i think is a quite a clue that right. like it's it's a pretty important thing to have that support in your early, early childhood right yeah yeah it, it, it like that's the thing that is really um kind of fascinating to you know just creating in general and um, so i'm the only one in my family that is um uh, extremely artistic and creative. And I mean, I, so yeah. 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 I like to talk about it too. Cause uh, you know, I think, I think creativity is really important, you know, and, and I'm, I'm careful to separate creativity from the arts because right. of course, like the arts doesn't own creativity. Right. Um, it's just that, you know, you, if you're an artist, you're probably creative right? <laughs> like where yeah. you don't have to be creative and necessarily in other fields, maybe. I don't know. Um, but I do think creativity is just like blanket important. And uh, if we as adults and, you know, raising a younger generation, I don't have kids, but I teach kids. Right. Um, I don't know, like understand how how important that little thing is and to kind of like not put, put those lights out in, in kids. It seems, seems right. important. Yeah. I, th- I think that, um, 
you know, I, I, I mean, I, 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 I just see so much as far as like our, you know, what's been going on in, in the world is that I, we're not embracing an, enough art. And I think that there's becoming a huge gap between people that, you know, I, I think that with us, you know, constantly hooked to a screen, you yeah. know, like you lose a lot of creativity. I think that some of the best things we can do as a child and what, you know, go back to being a child was I'm glad I didn't have technology. Like I had to force myself to be creative and go yeah. outside and play with certain things and my it's imagination. Like, too. yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, you know, we are losing that. There's a huge gap between like the, the people that are naturally super, creative and being able to just problem solve and like think outside of the box. And so I think that technology is a great thing, but technology is really honestly kind of a bad thing as well. So yeah. Or at least like something that needs to be, um, mitigated or something. Do you, you, do you feel like this technology problem? Like, cause I'd love to hear more of your thoughts about it. Your the first thing you said was that people don't appreciate as much variety of art. Like, can you talk more about that? Or like, what, just what you see, what you've observed? Well, I just, what I see is that I'm, I'm, you know, when you're, you're constantly hooked to something, you know, um, back in the day, like, you know, if, if you can go outside and get grounded with the earth and look up at the stars and you can like really start to look at things that for the appreciation, appreciation for really what they are, you know, you can really start to, it allows your mind to, you know, constantly kind of start to think about things that you wouldn't normally think of when you're constantly scrolling on a screen and you're just constantly like, you don't have to think of anything at right, all. You're it's just like, like your brain, you're, you're mindless. Li- yeah, you're totally. 100% like mindless. And I yeah. think that, again, there's benefits to, you know, technology, but there's also like when it comes to being a creative, I think some of the best work that I've ever done is turning off everything and Mm -hmm. just sitting in my studio Mm -hmm. and just like letting my mind wander and just having some music on in the background and just like let my mind just just go or like go for a walk like yeah that kind of stuff like I couldn't agree more and I also feel like one thing that I've talked about with a lot of my guests and that I've been like on a major soapbox on recently, like just, I just, I'm releasing a new album. And every time, every time I release new original work, I get a little worked up about this kind of thing. (laughs) But I feel like it's, I feel like our society in general has grown very bad. And maybe we were always bad at this. Like I'm not that old, so I don't know, but like we've grown, we've, we've, we're very bad at deciding like what we like, like things, we, we wait for someone else to tell us, like, you like this. And I, I find all the time, maybe maybe I'm thinking about music specifically, but, you know, if we are, are looking at, you know, a local musician or, like, someone who's not, you know, famous yet um, or whatever, it's almost like people will take the fact that the person isn't famous to mean that they're, like, not... Um, making any valuable art. It's like we take like fame as like proof of concept. Right. Which is so stupid. It's so stupid. It's it's, it's kind of interesting because I think that, you know, we, we rely so much on what, 
you know, what everybody else is going to say to kind of get validation to, is this artist important because they've been validated by a much bigger conglomerate? You're like, actually, no, like, you know, think for yourself. And if like you like the art, because art is all, it's so subjective, so subjective. right? Yeah. Like you can go into an art gallery and you're looking around and you're like, I love that piece. And the person right next to you can be like, you know what? It really doesn't do it for me. Okay, cool. That's fine. It doesn't yeah. have to do anything for you. Right. You listen to a certain beat. You know what I mean? You're like, oh my gosh, I really like this voice, whatever. The whole point is that too many people are being force fed yeah. into saying that this is in, this is in. It's like, no, like think for yourself, you know, like what can you find about art that you appreciate and you enjoy yeah. and that you there's way too many that that's that's it. I, I just I have a huge problem with that because again we're we're being like force fed into this world where you're like everybody has to like this like one specific thing yeah. it's like it doesn't work like that like pull your head out of your arse you know like let's literally like what do you like what moves you yeah right 100 yeah, percent. it's like people have even stopped asking like their eyes will just turn off their ears will just turn off if they haven't already been told like this thing is vetted and like we approve of it. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you and I think that it's, it's just kind of funny. Like I, you know, the, the, the creations that, you know, the, um, the collections that I've created over the years, like you can always kind of tell when somebody doesn't like it and you can always tell when somebody really likes it. It's that first essential emotion. It's probably the same thing you get if you share your music if the person's in the room, you're like, let me, you know, take, take a listen to this. And you can always tell within like that first initial reaction, yeah. I can, yeah, whether yeah. they like it or not. Yeah. And it's okay. Like, again, I just have to be like, all right, you know what? Yeah. That specific collection didn't do it for that person. Right. And it could have been the color. It could have been the initial mood. It could have been yeah. the lighting, the photography, yeah. it could have been whatever it is. And so I think that, you know, you just have to be like, if it didn't work for person A, it yeah. might work for person B. Totally. The whole thing about it is it's just so subjective. And, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, I don't create to, um, I don't create to make like people to happy. People. Yeah. I create in order to feed my soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Well, one thing I think that is valuable is, I, I hope, is to hear artists talk about like, how we consider other art like what are the processes that you know our brains go through to ask ourselves like do i like this you know because i think we we have to do that we have to do it with our own work we have to know what we have to know that skill so you know i think sometimes it's it's valuable to go like okay well if you see something that isn't hasn't been pre-vetted or you read something or you hear something or you know whatever like stop, ask yourself, like, what do I feel? What do I think is interesting about this? Like recultivating that skill, um, you know, instead of being like a scroll zombie. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's also an, another thing as well, is I think that we are being so um, inundated with so much information all the time that we're becoming so numb yeah. to appreciating the smallest detail. The smallest things. And yeah. I think that we, and that's again, like that's a, a bad thing of technology is that we're, we're being so much force fed of all of this content 
all of it. Like yeah. it's exhausting. It is. Exhausting. And it's like, if you step back and you're kind of like, wow, okay, man, like I, I got to stop looking because, you know, it's almost like you have way too many ideas. Mm. And even, you know, I'll talk to um, people that want to get in to start creating like, you know, hair collections and whatnot. And they're just like, I'm just feeling so overwhelmed. And I'm like, dude, you need to take a step back and you need to focus on like one little detail. It could be thing. like yeah. you know, the smallest thing of like a color. It could be the smallest thing of like a type of texture. It could be like whatever it is. And I think that you just need to start to build off of that because if you start, you know, like looking and like, you're just going to get so overwhelmed that there's mm -hmm. just, there's too much, there, it, there's way too much noise out there. Yeah, yeah. People get overwhelmed and then they like batten down the hatches and just like go to what's like familiar and, right. and tried and true. Yeah, I think that's a good point. So you started really kind of uh, like honing it, homing in on a medium when you were like in high school for, for a while started working with charcoal. Yeah. That's kind of when, cause I really just liked shades. Like you could just, cause mm. you're working in a monotone, like, um, you're working in monotones and you just could go from like dark to very light and you could start to really, and it wasn't like, so like everything had to be perfect. It was like, you know, blending like yeah. just this charcoal on this, this light paper that, that's where I was like, wow, this is actually really fun to work with. When you very first started working with charcoal or like around this time, was there like something that happened that made you like, I don't know, take it more seriously? Or was it just like by degrees suddenly you were like, this is what I'm doing now? Um, I think that, you know, um, I, I, I just think that cause I was a huge skateboarder. Um, I was just kind of one of those you know, alternative kids, Sure. you yeah. know, I wore some Janko jeans and, you know, oh, yeah. Isn't that funny. It's so funny. Like the things that felt alternative back then, like it, now there's so much more variety, like allowed, I guess that's different than the other thing we've been saying, but like teenagers, I have a sister who's just turned 20 and I teach a lot of teenagers and it seems like they're allowed to kind of, there's, there aren't like, um, like the, the clicks are like much, they're not as defined as they used to be. Yeah. Everything's kind of merging together. Like yeah. you can see that, you know, there's like a lot of these youth are wearing like these old, like rocker shirts. And you're like, do you even know who that is? Do you know who David Bowie is? And they're like, no, yeah, I just thought it was a cool color. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, all right, here we go. Yeah. But, but there is like, I mean, like I'm, I, I sing in a wedding band. It's like one of the money makers that I kind of tuck into my art career um and i'm i'm amazed sometimes by how many like women show up to weddings like young beautiful women show up to weddings like with no makeup on like that feels different that feels like that feels new well there, i mean i've had this discussion with my some of my clients in my salon like i mean there's a there there it's just a different approach to you know, the youth and what they wear and what they don't wear, totally. you know, like uh, it's just like <laughs> yeah. one of those things. I'm like, that never was acceptable back That's in the what day. I'm saying. But That's what I'm saying. Like this idea that like what was alternative when you were a teenager, when I was a teenager, it's different now. It's yeah. <laughs> there's a, like the, the main line is much less defined. Yeah. And like it, the main line is its own kind of like what's main now like felt alternative, which is probably how 
right. aging always feels. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that, um, you know, I, I mean, it, it's just interesting to be able to watch things evolve and watch trends come back. And, but I mean, um, the, the, the youth and the way the youth approach certain things, like, you know, I get inspiration from the way they do specific things. Cause, but you know, again, we, we live in a different world than, yeah. than you and I grew up in. Yeah, I do. I get excited about it sometimes. Like sometimes I think, yeah, I wonder what this generation will like, what will kind of change like as you know they kind of move like farther into adulthood so but when you were so you were telling me about getting into charcoal like kind of the context yeah you know i th i think that that was um definitely the 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 pinnacle moment of like you know i started to noticed that my art was actually good you know and i was like all right mm. cool like this is i'm actually really good at this and, you know, some people can draw really, really well. I couldn't, I, I could never really draw really well. I could sketch pretty well, okay. but um, charcoal made sense to me because my mind was a little bit more on the, like you know. It wasn't defined. Yeah, it was yeah. not defined. You know, I would see things kind of like blurry and diffused and, cool. you know, but the main basic shape. And I think that that transcended into the art that I do today. Cool, because cool. I'll, I'll ask you all about it. Um, were you mostly drawing like figures or like, what were you drawing? Um, everything was from figures to body shapes to just, um, rooms, uh, things in three dimensions, two dimensions. Cool. Um, and it was really just, you know, the, the art teacher I had and I forget her name, but she like was in just high school, like your high school. Art yeah. Okay. And she was just very, uh, ex eccentric and she just allowed you to kind of just be cool. you know she was somebody that you would she would give us a task you know like i remember one day that we had to do like a like a bar stool you know and she put a bar stool in front of the you know in the center of the room and everybody was kind of going about it and then just looking at everybody's piece because it was all a different perspective and yeah. it was just really cool she's like just pay attention to the shadows and this and that and that was something teaching that you had to think, yeah, yeah, really teaching you. And this is also something later on in life that, you know, I started to look at art and not just like the positive space it took up, but the negative space right. that something took up. And so you could really start to appreciate, cool. you know, the surroundings. So when you were starting to kind of feel like, Oh, Hey, I'm kind of good at this. Um, did like your skateboarding friends, like know you were like an art kid too, or were, were, did you keep them kind of separate? Uh, no, they, no, they, they, they knew, they like, knew. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that they knew, like, I mean, again, I didn't really hide it. Um, I wasn't ashamed of it. And was it, were you like really proud of it? Like, was it like, Hey, this is part of my identity. Like yeah. I draw. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean like, and all of my folders and everything that I had, yeah. like I would have a bunch of stickers and drawings and stuff that I would do on it. Like I still have those to this day. And you know, you would just kind of look at you know, and I would just decorate all of my stuff. And sure. so I wasn't hiding anything who I was. And and at that, at that kind of point when you were like, this is a cool thing I'm doing, like, I'm pretty good at it. Like, you know, you're feeling like you've like found a thing. Were you thinking at that time that like you might pursue something artistic professionally? No, actually, okay. no, not at all. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't that, that, no, that was not on my mind at all. I didn't yeah. really know that I could make this a career. Yeah, yeah. So when you were like kind of toward the end of high school, 
were you thinking about what you do as a career at all or were you just like not thinking about that? Well, okay. Well, this, this is what's, um, so I'd met these two girls, um, and one was my girlfriend. They were just like best friends. They were like these little raver girls. And, you know, I think they had kind of, you know, I, I was in a purple haze, you know, towards, towards my junior, uh, the end of my junior year in high school. And if you don't know what that is, whatever, we won't go into great detail, but you know, my mom could see that, you know, she's like, uh, you know, what's going on with my son, you know, yada, yada, yada. He's kind of experimenting. Yeah. But, um, it was at that moment that my mom had a conversation with me about like what I was going to do with my life. And we had, she'd asked me, she's like, what are, are you, um, what are you thinking you want to do? And I was just like, well, I don't know, you know, and before when I was a, um, this is before the food network and whatnot. And I was like, well, what about being like a chef, you know? And she's like, well, do you really like to cook? And I was like, uh, I mean, not really, you, just you know, knew you want, you, you just knew you were creative yeah, and you wanted to work with your hands. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, she's like, well, I want you to think about it. Think about it for a couple of weeks. And I was like, all right. So a couple of weeks later she comes to me and she's like, so what do you think? And I was like, well, I don't know. And she's like, well, can I mention something to you? And I was like, what's that? And she's like, well, have you ever thought about doing hair? And I was like, actually, no. Wow, that's um, amazing. That's yeah. like really cool. And she's like, do you have any questions? And I was like, well, I go, I'm, I'm not gay. And she's like, well, and this is back in 1994, right? Yes. Yeah, like, that's like, I want to know what she was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, well, um, you don't have to be gay to be a hairdresser. There's actually a lot of famous hairdressers out there. And she started naming off like Vidal Sassoon and Paul Mitchell and just a lot of like, you know, famous people. And I only heard one word there and I was like famous. I was like, I, yeah. can, I can do this. <laughs> Wait, were, were you like, so, okay. I want to know what your mom was thinking, but from your perspective, were you, were you like, were you into fashion? Were you like, were you interested in, in those kinds of things? You know, that's the thing is I, I always had kind of like interesting hair. Um, my sister would like, you know, highlight my hair and I kind of had the initial like when I was in junior high, I had the Tony Hawk haircut where if you don't know what that is, it was like really swept kind of like long new wave um, on one side and kind of shaved on the other. I mean, at the end of the day, I always had interesting hair. Um, I mean, again, I, I didn't come from a well-off family, you know, like my mom, um, I was raised by a single mom and she supported me and my brother, my sister and, you know, didn't make that much money. So we didn't have a lot of money for fashion. Sure, um, yeah. I kind of had a lot of like hand-me-downs. Well, from- I think I, I think a lot of people who don't have a lot of money get really creative about fashion, like get into thrifting, get into like, uh, you know, adapting their clothing. Right. Like, yeah, I've talked, I agree. I've, I've talked to a lot of people who get really creative with fashion. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think that that's where you know, the people that didn't have a lot have to get super creative about it. hundred percent agree. Yeah. Yeah. If that's something that's like, uh, an important, uh, facet of expression for well, you. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I also think like, yeah. you know, like if you're, if you're, you know, eat and eat, eat, sleep, you know, breathe, like being kind of like an artist or a creative, like you're going to kind of like dress in an eccentric way like yeah i actually was just talking about this with someone else the other day because like when i i mentioned before we started recording that my parents are narcissistic and i don't know if you know like that much about how that sometimes looks but like the way that it was in my family i have three other siblings 
and I was kind of like the scapegoated sibling. So I was, I was an odd man out in the family in a lot of ways. And my childhood and teen years, like, I think I just was trying to like get through it. Like, I think I just felt like, I think I felt from like a pretty early age, like I just need to turn 18 and like get out of here. Um, and I was just trying to like not draw attention to myself a, a lot of the time, I think. So for me, like, you know, I never would have thought of myself as like being into, into fashion or anything. I kind of just wanted to blend in. But then I was thinking about this the other day. I would sometimes like just see like a, I don't know, like something stupid, like leopard print pajama pants and just be like, these are pants now. And I'm going to wear them with like heels to school, you know, or whatever. Um, but like most of the time I was like, I don't care. And then I would be like really drawn to like something and, I don't know. It's like there were little hints of it like yeah. trying to get out. Yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, again, like I didn't really early on, you know, as, as things years progressed and grades progressed, like I got more confident in that. But I think that's where I was still kind of very shy and bashful was mm -hmm. even um, was kind of like the dress because I just didn't really have. You know, I, I didn't have, I, I didn't know how to put things together when yeah. it came down to that. It's hard. It's like you, you know, you have like, you know, you have a personality, like, you know, that there's maybe like, but yeah, it can, it can be tricky. It can be tricky to kind of like summon the confidence to like make a bold choice, you know, depending on what kind of an environment you're in. Um, so do you know what your mom was thinking when she suggested this to you? Like what had been the, like what kind of thought process had she been having? Well, um, actually she, this is what was kind of interesting is that she was actually, she had a male hairdresser and she was asking him like, you know, like what kind of child were you like in school? Wow. And he had mentioned, he's like that his story was very similar to mine. See, was kind yeah. of somebody that was a little standoffish, was kind of shy. And so she just kind of put two and two together. She's like, that sounds like my son, Jake. Yeah. And so that's why she had mentioned hairdressing. Cool. And so I had just kind of, you know, like my mom and I had a pretty good, like we had a really good relationship. And so I was like, all right, you know, like I'll give it a go. Well, and just the way that you told this story to me of like her saying like, well, can I suggest something like that's so respectful? <laughs> like that's, and for you to be like, yeah, okay, yes, you know, that's it's just like, it's pretty telling, I think. Yeah. Of like a, a good trusting relationship there. That's yeah. Cool. You know, I mean, and it was, so I think that, you know, cause she was a little worried about me, you know, like, again, I was an artist, I was eccentric, I was experimenting and, yeah. you know, I was doing certain things. And so, can but, I ask you like, sorry, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, one thing that I, that I'm like sometimes obsessed with as a, as an artist in general, just as a person, I'm curious about it is like these kind of cliches of like, you know, a starving artist, an experimental artist, you know, a quiet bookish artist. Um, do, like, I don't know. Do you feel like it's like a chicken or the egg kind of a thing? Like, did you feel like you were like experimenting and then that like, I don't know, made you feel it more creative or do you feel like, I think what I'm wondering is if you feel like these, uh, what did you say? Eccentric, um, experimental kinds of things were like related to your creativity necessarily. 
I think that, um, you know, in small dosages of certain things, like I smoked some weed, smoking weed had made me kind of start to see things a little bit different. Yeah. Um, I mean, later on in life, I think I had tried mushrooms and, you know, that was also another mind altering. I was like, wow, like I, now I really saw things like through a completely different lens. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, that, that stuff has made me appreciate how beautiful the mind is. Mm. And so I think that, you know, what came first? Um, yeah, I think I was creative, but I think that, you know, those things had allowed me to take it a step further sure, and had allowed me to, you know, just appreciate things that, because, you know, it's, it's there, there's a touch, there's a visual, and then there's an audio to all things that, are, can, are, are just beautiful. And so, mm. you know, when you're on, you know, an altered state, you can just be like, take a step back and you're like, wow, like our mind is such a beautiful thing. Yeah. And, you know, in the right small dosages and if you're in the right areas and the right surrounding, yeah. you know, people, yeah, I think that. Yeah. Don't you think that's like the same thing though? Cause like, yeah, like we were talking about before with, like being a scroll zombie and like yeah. not having any kind of discernment or like creative thinking or like, you know, creative perspective considering certainly like plenty of people smoke weed and have no beautiful thoughts. Like but that's why I'm wondering, like if it's like, you know, you were already creative and already, you know, and then like being high is like, just an extension of like that yeah, creativity I, I, already. Yeah, and I think yeah. that, yes, exactly. It's appreciating it for what it is. Yeah. And I think that there are way too many people that abuse it, you know, and, but I also think that there's a time and a place for something to, and so, I mean, that, but I was always creative way before that. Yeah, that's, and, I'm thinking it's like a, well, and I think I'm also wondering, like, and it, it's so hard to talk about these things. I just like, am very curious. Um, like, you know, when you go from like being a teenager who like doesn't do drugs to like a teenager who like does some drugs, does this feel like, oh, well, I'm a creative teenager. Like I should do drugs. Like, or like, how were you thinking of like, um, were you trying to like step into like an identity of kind of like a type of adult you saw yourself being? Um, I know it's kind of like a weird question. No, that's it. I'm really, I'm interested in like identity. Right. Um, I think that, um, I, I, I think early on you're, uh, you're, you're testing, you know, you're dipping your feet in sure. like several different types of ponds right. and you're trying to identify on kind of like, well, what kind of person do I want to be? Exactly. And I think that, um, you can get, I think there are a lot of people that get lost and they, they identify themselves with like, Oh, I'm an artist that has to like, you know, alter my mind in order to create, you know? But then I also think that there are artists that are like, no, I don't want to alter my mind in order to create because now you're limited on your creation and you're kind of like, you know, you have to be a certain way in order mm -hmm. to do this. And later, like, as I was kind of like, you know, I started hanging out with some friends that were smoking like a lot and we would smoke like four or five times a day. And if you think about that, 
Like I was constantly on this haze towards the end of high school and I just didn't want to, I didn't want to be that, you know, I still wanted to be an artist that would be able to create not while having an altered mind. Yeah. I wonder if it's the kind of thing with like that, what you just said makes it sound like your identity was stronger than like, like you weren't, I like identifying as like a pothead. (laughs) You were like, you were identifying as like a creative person and like, this is a tool. Um, and kind of like, yeah, I, I think like, I haven't thought about this before. I'm just like thinking about it now. You know, I think maybe one of the reasons why parents or like adults in general get nervous about their kids being creative is because some of these like tied up like identity behavior things. And I think what I'm trying to say is like, it's not what people think. (laughs) I think that's like the thing I'm trying to say. Right. And I, and I think that you're, it's, it's yes, there's a stigmatism like, in like creating art and you can go down a rough road of like having certain things like being identified. Like when I had got to that stage, I was being identified by other people as like, you know, stoner Jake. And I didn't want to be identified as that. And so it was kind of like, all right, I, I need to put a, you know, I need to pump the brakes on this one. And I did. And I just kind of stopped hanging out with, those friends and started to, you know, go into a new path. And so, you know, yes, I mean, I think that you can get lost, but I also think that, you know, and then later on in life, you know, I had somebody had said something to me like about them, you know, because they used to be super like creative and they had let this altered mindset control when they were creating. And then they actually stopped creating because they were just like, I couldn't do it unless I was like that. And I never wanted to be like that. I've seen that too. I mean, so my, I have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in jazz performance. Uh, and so I have seen this happen many times. Yeah. (laughs) And I, and this is maybe one reason why I think again, like sometimes just I'm really interested in like, yeah, where does creativity come from? Like, certainly creativity doesn't come from marijuana. Like, we know that. But I think, you know, if someone is, if someone is like young and creative and they're trying to like find that identity and they have no adults in their lives saying like, let's talk about this, like, what can it look like? You know, I can see a young person being like, well, I have one option and that's to be high all the time, you know, I don't know. Again, like I said, I haven't really thought about this before, but it seems like, it seems like a, something that could be like a really easy point of confusion for like a young, a young creative or a young person who feels like alternative in any way. Right. Right. You're, you're absolutely right. So I I think that it's, I, again, I, I mean, I think that a lot of people are, um, they, they don't really understand that, you know, there are other outlets and, you know, create, you know, finishing something creative now, like there's such a natural high for me to kind of stand back and look at it be like, yeah. all right, I created that, you know, and I was on, I was, I was a hundred percent focused and I was a hundred percent there with no altered mind. And well, so, not that like an altered, not that there's anything wrong with, like, no, I'm definitely not, not saying that. No, yeah. no, not at all. But yeah, to maybe like have your identity to like think of um altered perspectives like chemically altered perspectives as like a a tool yeah right. or something i don't know totally. 
Um, so you, you, what happened? You like, just, did you decide to go to hair school? Like, were there other steps along the way? Um, yeah. So, um, I decided, so this was my junior summer, uh, into my senior year when we had this conversation and we, um, I had entered into, because my senior year, I was a really good student. Um, I had really pretty good attendance. And so I only needed an English credit and an elective my senior year. Okay. And so I could go to hair school in the morning. And so I went to hair school from 8 to 12.30. And then I went to high school from 12.45 to 2.10. That's and awesome. I, and then I worked a job from 3 until 8 p.m. That's like, that's pretty intense. For yeah. the, What did your like peers think? I didn't really have any time to hang out with my friends. Yeah. And so... Or but, rather, like, did you think, like, did you feel like I'm really, like, taking my life by the reins? Like, how did it feel to you to be, like, taking kind of actions that certainly, like, must have been kind of more decisive than, like, other people your age? Yeah, I mean, because so many of my friends were just goofing off their last year. Like, that's yeah. really what it is. Like, they're just yeah. kind of, like, goofing around and hanging out, like, you know, hanging out late, whatever. And like, I felt really good about what I was doing because I knew that I was putting forth like an effort into, you know, because now, you know, I mean, I've been doing, you know, hairdressing for, you know, over 26 you years. So much experience. And well, I also feel like you said, mentioned before, like creating something gives you this kind of like natural high, which like, yes. Um, and uh, I think, I think anybody who is creative, like knows that feeling. Um and being taking like action in your life gives you that too. Like that's that's big picture creative. Like I'm creating like a skill set for myself. I'm creating like a life for myself. Um, and that kind of like hard work of like, yeah, I'm gonna like I'm gonna as a teenager go to hair school in the morning, probably being the youngest person there, probably feeling like. I'm not seeing a ton of people like me here. And then I'm going to go to my high school and take a couple of classes. And then I'm going to go like work a job because that's how I make all of this work. That's like a grind and certainly not something that like is expected of a teenager. But I can imagine that also giving you that like creative high of like, I'm just like, I'm, I'm taking action on these things and like seeing results. Yeah. 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 It was, it was kind of, um, I mean, again, like there, it, it, it was a hundred percent grind and it was something that I'm glad that I sacrificed at the time. I didn't see, um, the sacrifice I was making, but I'm glad that I did because looking at, you know, where, you know, just where I am today and, you know, following my mom's recommendation. And yeah. so, I mean, at the end of the day, it was, uh, it, it, you know. How did you feel at hair school, like, in terms of, like, maybe being the youngest person there? Like, what, what did it feel like to you? Well, first off, so I'd mentioned I was really, really shy. And so yeah. I was the only boy, and, and there was probably 45, 50 women. Yeah, I was going to say and, you had to have been, like, one of the only guys. And so, yeah. um, you know, again, like, I didn't, like, I was, again, I was, I wouldn't really talk a lot, but these girls would just be like so what's your name where are you from what's going on you yeah. know you know and i was just like 
Uh. Chirpy, yeah. <laughs> and so they kind of like forced me to come out of my box. And so, and again, like being a shy guy, like, of course, like there's a lot of women that would just like, they, they would almost kind of like, we're going to turn you into somebody. <laughs> like You're going to be. They're going to shape you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I kind of came out of my box a little bit. And it was, it was interesting because a lot of my guy friends were giving me a lot of crap about going to hair school. Yeah. I was going to just ask if you were, if you experienced like any home of homophobia or anything. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And it was so funny because, and I, I was a very, I was a pretty confident kid. Like I didn't really care what people thought. Like I wasn't super insecure and I don't know really where they came from that it probably came from my mom, but the sh- whole- shy and confident is such a beautiful combination. Like. I, I love, I love like shy and confident at the same time. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it was kind of interesting, <laughs> but my guy friends, they would, I was like, yeah, you should just come in, come in, get your hair done. And they, they'd come in and I would like cut their hair and they were just like, dude, you, you go to school with all these girls? And I yeah. was like, yeah, man. You know, and they're just like, maybe I should go to hair school. Nah, I don't know if it's for you, man. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, so yeah. funny. <laughs> like, yeah. So like that would essentially like their teasing me turned into like, uh, like you're doing it right, man. I was yeah. like, yeah, man. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's funny. It was pretty funny actually. So I don't know that much about your career, but I, I know, I, I know that you're not just like working at someone else's salon. Like you, you've like, you've done so many things. Um, and your kind of portfolio is like, uh, yeah, diversified and like extra creative. Like, I think what I'm trying to say is, I don't know that all hairdressers, think of themselves as artists. You definitely are an artist. So maybe I'd love to just hear from your perspective, like how you go from being, you know, one person in this class of like 50 people to like, you know, kind of differentiating and like, um, I don't know, keeping your career really creative. Like just what, what was the evolution of that? Well, um, first off hairdressing, um, I was not good at it. Like I was all thumbs, like I was not naturally talented. And a lot of people that enter the hair and hair world, especially women are naturally gifted. I was not. And And have been doing their sister's hair forever and their friend's hair. Yeah. Yeah, And so first off, so I had to work really hard to become really good at hairdressing Mm. and you know, it took me that, you know, 10,000 hours to Mm. really get really get good. Um, and so knowing that I had to put in that practice, you know, being an artist, like it's cause I just really wanted to hone my craft. Yeah. Um, and, and were I, you thinking about it? Like, were you thinking about it like that then? Like you saw yourself as like a, you're like, I'm going to be really good at this. Well, no, not necessarily okay. because I didn't know what you could do with hair. Okay. And okay. so, my mom just wanted me and and she didn't quite know like either where I wanted to go with this. Like, because now like you can look at, there's so many facets of the hair world. Like you can go work in a chop shop. You can go work in a high end salon. You can go into like, there's so many different. Yeah. Yeah. You can go into, you know, movies or, you know, TV, whatever. And there's so many, like back in the day, you didn't, there wasn't a lot of diversity. It was just kind of like, you just did hair. Right. And if you were lucky enough, you opened up a salon and if, or if you were ballsy enough to open up a salon. Sure. And so, you know, I, I just didn't really know where I could go with it. And so I didn't know that hair could be an art, you know, I didn't know that it was going to be my medium. Mm. I was just trying to go through the motions and actually 
brush somebody's hair that, you know, I didn't have to pull out a bunch of hair because yeah. <laughs> again, I was all thumbs. Yeah. It did. It was not easy for me. Yeah. And you just totally weren't thinking of it as art. Like, no, not at all. Interesting. Okay, great. Yeah. What happened? And so, all about it. <laughs> so, you know, as things, well, first off, so when I graduated hair school, I didn't pass my test. It took me, I passed it on the third time. And if I wasn't going to pass it on the third time, I would have to go back to school for more hours. <gasps> oh no. Again, because I was not a good test taker. I was yeah. remedial. Like I didn't remember information. Like, you know, again, I was just not a strong test taker. And so luckily I passed it on my third because I was getting really discouraged. Yeah. And my mom. How um, old were you? I was seven. Uh, I was eight. 18 crazy yeah yeah and so um so yeah yeah so my mom she was really on my arse you know she's like you need to get a job and so I was just like "Uh, where am I gonna go work and so I went to go work for this uh lady her name is gay and she owned a salon called jungle red and she owned two locations and she had luckily she was she took me on And when she took me on, she was like, again, I was super shy. She's like, dude, I don't know how you're going to make it in this hair world. Yeah, because you got to be chatty. Yeah, you got to go out there and talk to people, man. And so she would take me on these little like kind of um, like field trips where she we would go to Fashion Place Mall. And she's like, she'd she'd, um, I'd go to the salon. We'd get in her pink Cadillac. Oh my gosh. I love it. She sounds like such a character. And And I love that she wasn't just thinking of you as like a, an employee. You were like an apprentice. She was like, I'm going to train you. Yeah. Like you did extracurriculars. It it was actually pretty funny. And so we'd go to the mall and we'd walk in and before we went, she was like, Jake, you need to come dressed in your best clothes. And I was like, and again, I didn't have like really nice clothes. And so I'd come in the, the, the best stuff I had. And so we'd walk in, I walk into the mall and she's like, I was like, Hey, what are we doing? She's like, you see that girl over there working in that store? And I was like, yeah. She's like, I want you to go up to her, introduce yourself, tell her what you do and invite her into the salon to get her hair done. Oh my gosh. Scouting. And, and I was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's really hard to do without your liquid courage. If you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I went up and I did that. And of course, like, you know, like stuttering over my, oh yeah, all of it. And these, and these women working in these like clothing stores, like they're not going to be rude. Like they have to be nice. Right. They're like, oh yeah. Okay. And like, so they basically would claim like they would come in and I would like cower away and yada, yada, yada. I'd go up to gay and she's like, how'd it go? And I was like, that was the most horrible thing ever. (laughs) She's like, you see that girl right there? Do it again. And we'd have to do it again. She like taught you to be charming. Yeah. Wow. And so we would do this once a week. Um, Oh my gosh. And so. I love that. That's not normal, right? No, that's not normal at all. That was gay. Yeah. Cool. And it was kind of interesting because, you know, missionaries do this really well. Yeah. And, you know, that's what they do is they just sell themselves and they sell yeah. like, and so, and I got really good at just kind of selling myself. And so at that point, um, you know, I was getting okay at hair and I was kind of, you know, I had some repeat people coming in, 
But again, like, cause you had to go out there and hustle and you had to go out there and talk. And yeah. like right now, like what people do is they'll use social media right. to get, build their, you Quite know, they have yeah. their ports, por- portfolio yeah. and all that stuff. But we didn't have that back in the day. What was the clientele like at Jungle Red? Um, I mean, it was like typical people that, you know, I, I mean, how I kind of compare it is probably they shopped at maybe Gap, Banana Republic and like Nordstrom's, you know, so it was okay. kind of like a mid to higher, you know, Jungle client. Red just sounds cool, though. Like it feels ballsy to name your salon Jungle Red. Yeah. Yeah. It was really. Yeah. I mean, she was ahead of her time for sure. Yeah. Wow. Cool. You know, cool. So after that, I worked with her for a four, like, I think three or four years. And then I moved on to another salon downtown. And this salon was like crazy, like absolutely completely opposite. I'd ever worked in mm. like techno music playing. And Whoa. there was a huge tree in, in the middle of the salon. And it was just like, like completely opposite. And so my clientele had... But I had brought this elegance and this classic like hairdressing because Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I was trained in. Yeah. And so um, I was able to now kind of bring more of a kind of a cutting edge to my classic hairdressing style. Cool. And that salon was just run like the guy that ran it. um, I mean... They, they just didn't really know how to run a business at all. Yeah. And so... It's a really common, like, art problem. Like, being able to be, like... Because you'll find people who are good at business, and so they try to open, like, an artish business, you 100%. know, whether it's a venue or something, and they just suck at art. Or, like, people who are really good at art and just bad at business. It's like... It is a... It is like a... A medium all-encompassing problem. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It's you're, you're, you are 100% right. And I see it way too often, you know, like if you are an artist and, you know, like if you understand business, great, but nine times out of nine, you know, like people don't, they, they can't mesh those two worlds yeah. at all. Well, and then we have like, I mean, don't even get me started about it, but we have all these gatekeepers around art who like, aren't artists and it's it's a huge bummer i think that problem is like really enmeshed with this problem of people having like no taste like no ability to like decide their own taste because like we don't have gatekeepers talking about developing taste right it's just like a bottom line and then we get this like lowest common denominator problem Right. It makes me so mad. <laughs> yeah. No, hundred percent, man. Like it's interesting. This is a huge thing going on. I just had a conversation with a, um, a, a big hairdresser in the industry and he left one of his, a company that he worked for and he's been with for a long time. It's a big conglomerate. You know, I know you've probably heard of it, but a huge hair care line. He just recently quit and he's just like, I'm so sick and tired of just, you know, cause again, they don't understand what it takes. Like, you know, they, they, they take the fun out of art, yeah. you know, they just yeah. suck you dry. Yeah. 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 Ugh, barf. It makes me, yeah. it makes me angry. And we, we live in kind of like an extra bad place for it. I think Yeah. like it's in, in the state of Utah, you will be hard pressed, like genuinely hard pressed to find a place to perform original music for free like 
just a a place that will just let you perform original music. Right. Because people want only, they only want to hear stuff they already love. Right. Which is just like. The lamest thing ever. It's a huge problem. (laughs) Yeah. And then like, I'll talk to like venue owners who are just like, that's just the way it is. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like there are places culturally that like, you know, being the venue that always has like new stuff is like really cool. And that's like the reason you're always packed. Right. We have a culture problem. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, my wife and I went to Nashville and we were at this bar and that's a huge place for up and coming artists, right. Performing. And it was like, there was this guy in there with just his guitar and he's rocking out. And I was just like, I've never heard any like music like this before. It was like super cool. And it you, was inspiring. You go for that. Yeah. Like awesome. that's what you want. It was awesome. Um, I, I went to college in Denton, Texas, which is like, it's a weird little, they call it like little Austin sometimes, but it's like in North Texas, about an hour North of Dallas. And it's a tiny little college town, but it's like kind of has an, an alternative vibe. And there, there were so many venues that like, you go there just to be like, I wonder what we're going to hear tonight. And it would be like, sometimes, you know, like something that sounded like kind of like corn. And then it would be like theremin, you know, <laughs> like sometimes it's like classical, like avant-garde classical something, you know, but like, that was like the whole reason, like people would go there because they'd be like, it's going to be something, Right? there's going to be something yeah. and it's not going to be, like a cover band. Uh, anyway, I just think like, I mean, if that can exist in like the middle of like farmland in Texas, like there can be one venue like that in Salt Lake City. Right. Don't, no. even, don't even get yeah. me started about it. Yeah. <laughs> we already did. I already <laughs> said my whole thing. Um, so, yeah. So, sorry. You started working at this new salon and, and then what happened? Well, and then what happened after that, we had, um, I had really... You know, again, I was I was experimenting like with different hairstyles. I was trying different things. I was, you know, starting to work for bigger companies. I started working for a company called Sexy Hair Concepts. You know, actually, before that, I started to work for Redken. You know, work what for were them. You doing for that for um, so I was actually educating, and okay. so I would educate. I would teach, like you know, product knowledge classes, okay. styling classes, cutting classes. You know, and then I started working with this company like Sexy Hair Concepts while, you know, these are just bigger hair care brands while okay. you're, you know, doing hair in the salon. Training other stylists. Yeah, okay. basically. Okay. And so, and then after that, I had got fed up with the salon I worked at downtown um, and just because they were just, it, it was just, a, it was just a cluster yeah. of you can say clusterfuck. Yeah, it was a clusterfuck of craziness <laughs> and I was done. I just did not want to like be associated with that anymore. Yeah. I just wanted to go. Um, so there was a there was a guy, um, he owned a salon called uh, D Memet. And D Memet um, was a very, it was, this guy was pure art. He was super creative. Cool. You know, this guy was 30 years my senior and he had this beautiful like, loft salon like downtown salt lake city way before it's time yeah and so i went to go work there and immediately raised my prices like 25 percent across the board and it was just a a, a sexy beautiful you know it was just something i needed to up my game even more and so when i moved you, you can keep talking i just every time i hear a little pop like that i just get paranoid it's never anything uh 
Yeah, it's all fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. So when we, so when I moved over there to do, um, you know, like, you know, instantly my wardrobe was, you know, I up my wardrobe, started wearing suit jackets to work, cool. you know, just really started to kind of just build my brand. How old and, were you around this time? Um, I was probably 24. Crazy. Still so young. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. You were upping your brand. Uh, actually I was probably 23. And so I was probably upping my brand. Um, you know, and then from there I started to, um, I wanted to start shooting, uh, my own work. And so mm. again, social media did not exist back mm. then. And so I just wanted to start kind of shooting my clients and I would, I took my camera in there and I started taking photos of them and I'd mess around with, um, you know, my, um, hacked Photoshop back in the day because, yeah. you know, you had to do that. And so I would start messing around with my stuff and I started messing around with different mediums as well. So I was messing around with, um, you know, hair, you know, I wasn't f doing photography then. I was just taking photos of like my own work. When did you get a camera? Um, well, that was later on and we'll, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll get into that okay. one. Okay. But, um, I was actually starting to mess around with the music. Okay. I was starting to DJ. Okay. I went out and bought two turntables and a mixer. And so, and I was, you know, starting to build my record collection and I was horrible. Absolutely yeah. horrible. I couldn't mix two records to save you my life. You were just like hungry though. Like just yeah. be, you needed to be busy. Yeah. yeah. And so from there, I worked at Team Emmett for a few years. Actually, it was a couple of years. And then from that point on, um, Dave had decided to close down his salon and so I had reached out to some other industry people here, which is Sean and Angie, and they own Lunatic Fringe. And from, you know, and this is who I'm currently with right now, but Lunatic Fringe was just one salon. And so when I had went to go work for, I went to interview with them, like, you know, there was a, a story of me that they had heard. And so they were kind of unsure about like to hire me, but this story was, you know, um, you know, what, that I partied a lot, right. That I drank and, you know, cause I was young and I was coming into money and, yeah. you know, of course, like, but you know, I had assured them, I was like, you know what? Yeah. I was like, I, I'm not going to shy away from it, but yeah. you know, I, I am kind of who I am and they had liked my vibe and they liked who I was and they were more than happy to take a chance on me. And so, they decided to hire me at their salon, which their salon was in is, is a very small um, boutique kind of salon. But we had gotten together like really, really, really well. And Sean and I had a really great connection. Well, um, after that, like he was opening up um, another type of business, which was up on like Parley's Way in Salt Lake City. And it was a new concept of a salon. And he's like, do you want to come help me run it with me? And I was like, yeah. And of course, like this was like a 2,500 square foot like space. And it was just him and I in there, you know, that's it. Like, and it cool. was like completely, and we were doing all this build out and whatnot. Well, this whole concept was a concept that didn't really pan out. It was kind of a Paul Mitchell concept. Either way, that's neither here nor there. But we had gotten together so well that during this time, he's like, we want to open up another lunatic fringe. Would you like to be our partner? Cool. And I had no interest in owning a salon at all. Yeah. But my wife at the time, um, 
she was, you know, a little bit more business savvy. And I, again, I'm an artist and I understand that hundred percent that I, I'm not a PL guy. I'm not like a, a, you know, I'm like, I can train people and I can make them better. Well, we decided to take a chance and we did that. So we opened up their second lunatic fringe, cool. which was in sugar house right across from sugar house park. And I had that salon for 15 years. Wow. And you were like in your mid twenties. Yeah, okay. I opened that up around like 26. Okay, okay. Crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, when did you start like getting into other mediums? Because I know you, you do, I mean, you were DJing back then. Like how did you start getting more into photography? And you do makeup too, right? No, I, I, I don't do any makeup. Oh, okay. Somebody actually asked me that, that the um, a couple months ago and I was like, I just, I, I never really got into that's, it. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I think I could rock it, but yeah. you know, I'm like, you know. <laughs> Um, but no, I got into music has always been, you know, I've always enjoyed electronic music. I've always enjoyed like, and so DJing was a natural evolution for me because I just enjoyed the sounds that it was. And so photography came, um, when we had opened up, um, Lunatic Fringe and Sugar House, it had come about, about a year to two years into it. And one of my good friends, Humi, had introduced me to photography. And he's like, man, just get a camera. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I bought a camera, had a couple lenses. He's like, just start taking shots. And I was like, all right. Well, those, like the hair thing, like in the DJ thing, I sucked at photography. Like I was like, it's a nice camera. It should take good shots. I'm like, it's not about that, right? You have to understand composition. You have to understand like Lighting. everything. Yeah. And so... I just started taking more and more like shots, trying yeah. to figure it out. And it wasn't for a few years. Like can I was, you, can you talk about like how you were able to be motivated or like what, what it was like? Like I I'm loving this idea that like the main mediums you do now, you like were bad at like in the beginning. I think it's easy for people to look at artists who haven't been able to sustain a career and just be like, yeah, well, you're talented. Um, and like, I think most of us know that that kind of thinking is bullshit. Like we work oh, really hard, but can you just, can you talk about like what, it, what, what was going on in your mind that like motivated you to keep working on these things that you were not naturally good at? Well, I think that it was my stubbornness, number one, because yeah, I, I knew that I, I knew that I was like, it was pissing me off because I wasn't any good. Yeah. And I was like, I want to become better. And that was that same motivation with hair. Yeah. It's the same motivation with like DJing is that I was like, I was getting so frustrated that I was not good, that I became so obsessed with becoming better yeah. that it essentially had cost me, you know, my first marriage. Mm. And so um, I was just so obsessed with becoming the best version of that I constantly was practicing my craft, whether it was hair to f DJing to, you know, later on photography. And I just became so immersed in like getting like really, really good that I didn't know how to balance mm. out anything else. Yeah. Were you, um, were you picturing like a future Jake that was like better at these things? Oh, 100%. Were... Okay. Yeah. 100%. It wasn't like you had your eyes on like a specific other person. It was just like, I know I can, 
I know that like I can be a person that's good at this and like I'm looking at that. Yeah. hundred hundred percent. Yeah. I, I can visualize that for sure. And so can, can you like describe that? Like, I think that's a concept that is, I think some people like don't do that. I do it and you do it. And I think a lot of artists do it, but like, what is it? What it, what, can you say like what it felt like to like picture like a, a future version of yourself that you kind of wanted to get to? Well, I also think that that comes down to daydreaming. I'm, I'm a big fan of daydreaming. Same. Like yeah. I just like to kind of sit and just be. Mm-hmm. And I envision, you know, like I'll envision myself like standing on a stage accepting an award, um, mm-hmm. you know, which I have done that twice, you know, standing like, you know, I, I just visualize, you know, what the future looks like and, you know, if I'm going to be DJing out to, you know, a few hundred people, if I'm going to be, um, you know, shooting collections that are going to be on a billboard, you know, or winning an international award. Yeah. Like I'm a huge fan of visuals, visualizing and daydreaming. Yeah. Like kind of picturing like everything I know about myself combined with these skills that I'm working on. Like, what will that look like? Yeah. Yeah. When did you start working on hair pieces. So that came, um, so when I started doing photography, um, well, before I started doing photography, I was doing some pro bono work with other artists, other makeup artists, other, um, uh, photographers, and we would kind of just get together and collaborate. Well, after that, that had got my feet wet and I was super hungry and I started working on, I just started working with wigs and so I started working with synthetic wigs because uh, I couldn't afford real wigs. Real wigs are expensive. Yeah, yeah. Like they're, you know, like a few hundred to a few grand, yeah, you know, yeah. depending on, you know, how they're sewn and whatnot. So I had to start working with synthetic and synthetic hair is really hard to work with because you can't use a can't traditional iron yeah. or um, because you're going to melt the hair. Right. And so you have to get super creative with how you style it. And so I started steaming wigs, like I would use a hair steamer. I wouldn't steam them on the actual person. I'd use a a head block or a mannequin head and I would start to steam it. And I started creating like these different textures and sculpture, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so from there, um, then I started like, you know, shooting those. And it was in 2000, uh, 2006 that I first got my nomination for the North American Hairstyling Awards oh. for avant-garde. Uh, I didn't win that year, but I got, I definitely was like, I got my, you know, a, a real exciting a kind real of taste yeah, yeah, for it. Uh, how did you, like, how were you starting to kind of develop your own style? Like, uh, where were you getting ideas? Like how, you know, just... To, especially if like the award you're getting is about being avant-garde, like that's going to take some real creativity and kind of like bravery. Like what, what did it feel like? Well, I think, um, I mean, I, again, I was just experimenting. I was just trying. You were just right? excited and like I, probably uh, bored. Yeah. yeah. I, I would just kind of, again, I was so obsessed that, you know, I would spend all of my waking hours, like just trying to, get better at this. And so I would be at my house and I would have like my little tripod set up and I would just try different things. And I would take a shot with like my flip phone back in the day and I would just kind of see how it looked. And then like, you know, I would just try different things. And so, 
at the end of the day, I didn't really understand how to put a collection together because looking at my older stuff, like it was very inconsistent from photo to photo. Yeah, you were but, just like doing stuff. Yeah, I was just yeah. trying it. Yeah. And so, but late looking at it now, I was like, okay, because again, my eye wasn't quite trained. I didn't really understand how to put a wardrobe or a piece of accessory together with the model that would accessorize and not overpower the hair, but go with it and you know, you're just, again, you're just trying different things and yeah. you're, and again, there wasn't a lot of inspiration out there. There was not a lot of artists out there sharing how they did certain things. Mm -hmm. And so avant-garde, you know, cause avant-garde teeters on the line of almost super, super ugly, like bizarre, you know, yeah. like bizarre where you're just like, that's so fucking ugly, you know, versus like, there's a thin line of like, that is super beautiful. Like you have to know how to like, not take it too far and keep it like just beautiful looking. And mm -hmm. I think that my taste, you know, cause my taste essentially is just sexy. I just like sexy hair, you know, like yeah. whether it is avant-garde or classic, like that's my taste and that's my style. Now I just like beautiful, sexy hair. Well, I think you're right that the context matters a lot. Like, like the the model you choose, the type of accessories, the type of wardrobe will make you like uh, interpret the hair differently, which is also a good principle for like this whole other thing we've been talking about of like thinking, you know, perspective. Right. Um, and thinking kind of creatively, like I, I will get such on a soapbox about this, but one thing that really peeves me is when people try to consider like all art from the same like rubric, uh, like there's no reason that we should be looking at like, you know, the artistry that goes into making like a Marvel film in the same way that we're thinking about the artistry that goes into making like a tiny indie film, like, and trying to say like, it just, it's pointless to compare these things. I, I would say, right. Cause they're going for totally different things. There's a different rubric. There's a different, a whole set of intentions. Um, so, you know, to consider, to consider the, the thing in the context that it was like meant to be in, um, which I think also is a great skill to have when dealing with humans, you know, right. like just, okay, well, what do I know about this person? Like, what's the context? What do their words or actions like mean based on, you know, the context that they're in? They're just, they're important skills to have is right. kind of all I'm saying. Right. Yeah. No, I, I a hundred percent agree. And I think that, um, you know, just, just as an, just, you know, cr creating over the years and creating like certain types of, um, you know, you, again, every, everything's super like relative, like, you know, again, like there's a rhyme and a reason for something specific, whether it's very classic, you know, like very contemporary, very avant-garde or just something that is just, you know, again, it can get very, you know, mind like baffled as far as like the viewer, like viewing it. And, you know, I think that again, so much noise out there. And I think when you do put art out there, like the, the, the crazy thing about putting art out there now, like if you don't grab people by the cojones, like people aren't going to stop scrolling. Like, it. and it's just because again, we're constantly being inundated by noise that like, unless it is so bizarre, like, are you going to stop scrolling and look at it? Like, it's just, so it's, it's kind of interesting. I think that, um, how you present your art now, 
you know, like, are you presenting your art? I think that there are a lot of people now that are kind of wanting to do like more in, in, in person like shows, you know, maybe instead of just putting it out there, like on their social media, like it's just going to get lost in the abyss of the algorithm yeah. versus like, now it's like, I want to be able to, you know, show people, like if I have something, like I want to show them in person, like, let me show you this, like Wait, check this out. Like, let me show you what's cool about it. Let me like, right take you on a guided tour right. of like you know this thing i made you know yeah. and it's I kind of it. you know it's kind of like the same thing so it's it's interesting on how you present yourself now you know yeah. uh, what do you i mean tell me more what do you what are you thinking well i think that um you know again like because if you were just to kind of send somebody something over like hey let me you know go check this out like are they going to open it up they might open it up, you know, they might like, if they're raving fans, they might open it up, but it, depending on where their mental space is at when they are looking at it, mm. you know, are they really having time to embrace it? Yeah. You know, like it's kind of interesting because, you know, how I present my art now, I haven't, um, is I, I just like to show people in person, like, mm. and I really want them to be able to look at it and not just like look at it, but look at it with the intent of like, you know, like a really, curiosity. Like really look at it. Yeah. It's like the same thing. If like you were going to present a song, like yeah. check this out, listen to it, like be in the right mindset when you listen yes. to it so you can appreciate what has been, what, what, what has right. like, gone into this. Look at it through the right lens. Like let right. me, and, and I like, I feel like when I was, when I was young and I'm, I'm assuming you're like this too, like the idea of switching lenses felt intuitive to me. Like, and and because of that, I felt like I could appreciate a lot of different kinds of mediums and a lot of different kinds of art. Like I would switch the lens myself. I would be like, now I'm watching a Marvel film and now I'm watching an indie film or like now I'm listening to classical music and now I'm listening to Florence and the Machine, you know, or whatever. But I feel like maybe it's always been like this. And again, I'm just like, I'm not old enough to know. I don't, I'm not old enough to have the perspective of time. But like, I feel like people do not know how to change their own lens. They have like one lens and like every single thing is just weighed through that same. It makes no sense. It's so frustrating. Well, and I also think that that's, that's society and that's kind of what we are, we're being, we're breeding is we're breeding people that are, they can't appreciate, you know, like they can't appreciate something for what it is. And yeah. Well, and then, go ahead. No. Well, sorry. <laughs> Just like I'm excited about it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I feel like then it, it becomes like what you were what we were talking about just a minute ago. It becomes like the artist's job somehow to not only make the art, but then like somehow convince the viewer or the listener to like look through the right kind of lens. Like you have to like show them the lens. You have to like educate them about that. Like this is the kind of mindset that we have in order to best appreciate this art, you have to like do two jobs. Well, and I, I'll, you know, and it, and it's just kind of like, because our attention span has gone down the shitter yeah. is that now people are, you know, if they have to watch something longer than a minute, they're just like, <laughs> God, I know, well, you it's know, too, or it's like, it's too complicated. You know, yeah. you're like, dude, like, 
you it's it, it i i just kind of it it's interesting like if you're not grabbing people's attention right away they're immediately like uh you know like yeah. you're like what do you have better to do like yeah, just totally. enjoy it for what it is so this i like i like to write music i mean i like to consume all kinds of music but the kind of music i like to write is um like kind of kind of dense like i like i like a lot of color i like the harmonies to not always stay in the same key um, I like for the melodies to be like surprising and I like for the lyrics to say, to tell a story that we're not used to hearing all the time. Right. Um, and I like to write concept records. So like the songs make more sense when you hear the, all of them, you know, et cetera. All of this is high demand, you know, like it's high demand for the listener. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty like thoughtful about the visuals too. Like I want to kind of create like a whole world, you know, for the music and, uh, uh, recently, so I, I, I've just been putting out this new album. I just have released the first single and it's a concept record and it's dense as all the things I make tend to be. And I was thinking about this problem of like this attention span problem and thinking like, I've made all of these things that are really intricate and thoughtful. And I feel pretty sure that if I could sit with a group of people and like guide them through it, they would be like, this is really cool. Why isn't there more stuff like this? Right. But they'll never do it because it's too, it's too high demand. So I, um, I was experimenting with like targeted, targeted, targeted ads, like on Facebook and Instagram. And I was trying to think like, who are the people like left in our society who have a long attention span? And I decided to target like Dungeons and Dragons, anime, <laughs> Like, and those audiences are doing really well because like, that's, that's like the only, it's like the only place left where people like want more. Right. I don't know. It's a, frustra yeah, it's it's, a frustration it's, that I have. It's kind of interesting because, um, you know, I recently had started taking my, uh, my YouTube channel. I actually just celebrated my one year anniversary of taking it really serious. Mm -hmm. And so I film like every Monday. And so the thing which I think is so interesting is that like the attention span of social media, right? Like I have such a love hate relationship with social media. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like you got to do it. But then it's like, you know, if you're not doing it right, then you're anyways. And so I have turned a lot of my attention over to YouTube instead of Instagram because hairdressers live on Instagram. They just do. Mm -hmm. But, um, Instagram has, you know, again, I have that love hate relationship with it, but YouTube it's kind of interesting because like you have to, your attention span, like my videos are anywhere between a minute up to like 25 minutes, you know? And so, you know, and YouTube considers if you have an average view duration of like 40% by the end, you're doing great. Right. 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 You know? And so it's like, there's a natural decline when that video, like, you know, initially starts and you're just going to have this like steady decline down. If you have a steady decline that kind of like is, I mean, if you have a steady, even decline, you're doing great. But if the, the attention span all over the world is literally like, you know, there are, you know, I found that the older generation of people, people that are 45 and above are going to be well invested in something. Um, the younger generation, these people are like, living off of TikTok and this, these, these, these whole worlds are like, it's about 30 seconds and, you know, a minute, you know, if that, and it's just like constant scroll, 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 scroll. So my whole thing is that, 
you know, again, we have, there's so much information out there. There's so much stuff going on and, you know, there's podcasts and this and that, like, Mm -hmm. you know, again, it's just finding that, you know, where, where there's an audience out there for everybody. And there's an audience out there for, that are going to appreciate all types of art. It's like, how do you ruffle through all of the noise Mm -hmm. and find that perfect, find your people, find your tribe. Well, that's kind of what I was trying to say before. Like we as artists have to like, now we have to do all this pre-work to try to like, we have to be creative and artful about how we like try to find the people to like, look at the actual art that like we really care about. Right. It's kind of crazy. Right. It's kind of, it's, yeah. Well, and yeah, people just, yeah, they, they don't, they don't have these peripheral skills naturally anymore. And I think we used to be better at it, but these peripheral skills of kind of just paying attention. It's like, if it doesn't, like you said, if it doesn't just like, if it's not just absurd enough or cool enough, right on the beginning, we won't investigate further. Right. Which is, it really prevents like certain types of, there's, there are a lot of types of art that like, necessarily just must kind of like suspend that disbelief like a bit longer. Right. Like they're, they're cool because like you have to wait for it. Yeah. And I, and I, and I work for it. And I, and I think the thing as well is like, you know, there, there are specific people that I follow that I kind of live off of is like, there's designers that I like to follow. There's specific like architects that I like to follow. There's specific types of, things that like I will, you know, constantly like stay, you know, abrupt to, you know, to where I'm kind of like, this is where I get like inspiration from. And, but I mean, I think that there is, there, there is, there's so much noise out there that I think that, you know, if you can find your people and you can start to, um, you know, again, it's not just creating art anymore and just putting it out there. Like right. there's a, like I said, there's a lot of pre-work that you have to do. And there's a lot of things that you have to be like, well, how am I going to distribute this? And who am I going to distribute this to? And who am I going to like, you know, there's a whole laundry list of things of like, now you have to be the marketer. You have to be like, you know, an educator, you know, literally. And it's kind of like we, you know, it's not like there's so much opportunity, but there's so much work, yeah, yeah, a yeah. lot of work. Yeah, and it feels like a puzzle too. It's tricky. Yeah. Um, when you're gonna make a new collection, what what like what kinds of things might you be thinking about? Like, are you are you thinking of it kind of sculpturally? Are you thinking like about a meaning or like a a perspective or like a um a, yeah like a meaning? Like, what kinds of what kinds of things are you thinking about when you're starting a new? So kind of if I if I'm gonna build a collection, um, right now I usually start with. Uh, one of the last collections that I did, um, I was just inspired by the color red, you know, that's it. And I built the whole collection off of just red. And so, you know, I try and keep it down to the details of just like the smallest thing. Like I don't want to, you know, overcomplicate it because it is, you know, too many people, they're like, I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this. Like I try and keep it as simple as possible and mm. then just build off of that. Cool. Um, so I- at the end of the day, I think that that's what w- I work really well off of. And so, you know, when I am creating, that's, I try and keep it as simple as possible. Do you feel like your uh, creativity has like a, like a, a greater purpose 
like do you think or or what do you think about like your role in society like as an artist you don't have to like think about it but if you do I'm... um i i think more than anything like you know like when it comes down to like my legacy yeah or like what's and, the point of it yeah um i think that if i can inspire somebody to uh, think outside the box yeah you know, or to just like be like, dude, like that collection, because I've had people come up and they're just like, dude, that collection did was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I'm like, all right, cool. Like that's, that's it. Like, because, you know, you're only, you know, like at the end of the day, I'm like, I, I, I stopped creating. I used to create for other people. And now I'm like, I just want to create for myself and I just want to do things that I want to see. And if that inspires other people, yeah. awesome. And yeah. so, you know, that's kind of where, where I'm at. Like right now, um, I haven't created a collection in a little bit because I've been super busy with, um, I've actually been working on this brush. Uh, I've been working on it since 2016, but cool. this brush is something that I put my, my heart, my soul into, but it is a literally like a piece of art. I'll show it to you in just okay, a minute, but cool, it's awesome. Cool. But that's something that hopefully we're going to bring to the market by hopefully the first of the year. Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Maybe I can, I think I might actually end up releasing this episode. I, th I think I'm going to take December off. So I'm, this, this might come out like in January, which okay. would be, maybe we can line it up. Okay. Good. Uh, you know, if you yeah. want, yeah, <laughs> I totally can try good. to line it up with your release. Um, yeah, I think I feel similarly like and I think about this so much because I, I get I can get really stuck between like, you know, where does my value come from as a person like that's that stuff is always hard for me, I think, again, because my parents didn't just love me, you know, like I have like some early like I have some early baggage around where my value comes from as a person. And I think sometimes I can feel like my productivity or like my ability to tell a story or like, you know, my ability to create beauty can be like where my worth comes from. And then I feel like if I create, create something that I think is perfect, like it's, I've executed the idea like exactly as I wanted to. And then other people don't seem to feel that way. I can get, I can get pretty knotted up about that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think, I think the, the place that I'm kind of sitting at with this kind of stuff lately is like, I know I'm going to create stuff that brings me joy, like period, the end, like there's no other option for me making stuff that I'm not into is a bummer. So like at the very least, I'm going to make things that I feel like I wish someone else was making, like I wish there was more of, but I think I also just, you know, maybe because my work has words, you know, like uh, lyrics are text. And so, um, you know, I think I am thinking about like, broader societal things a little bit and my work maybe has like I'd like for it to have a specific purpose or for it to kind of like get people thinking about certain things and if they don't I am bummed about it but I wasn't making it like only for that you know what I mean mm -hmm. I don't know I'm always curious like oh well lately I've been thinking a lot about like what what art like means or does or should do or shouldn't do in our society. And I like talking about it with other people. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, art is, I've, I've, 
many different friends and um, a really good friend of mine, you know, he sees art in a, in a different way. And he's kind of like made me appreciate certain things and the way he sees things. So, I mean, I'm always inspired by talking with other artists and even just people that have like all the different mediums. And, yeah. you know, I've listened to a few of your podcasts oh. and it's, it's interesting because like, you know, the artists that you have on there um, are so, it's like, they're so similar, but they're so different. I right. Know, it's amazing. And it's, it is actually pretty cool because <laughs> like, it. you know, like the, the mindset of like going through, you know, somebody creating, um, you know, it's just, you know, I actually have a, one of my clients, she's so funny. Cause like she, she started, she's a, um, she does, uh, like sewing. Um, but she started this magazine and just, you know, the fabrics and she, I, cause I was really in, engrossed. I was like, so tell me more about this and that, like, and I was just so interested in the way that she creates and this and that, like, and again, it's just, it's art, it's similar, but it's so different, but you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It is. It's beautiful. And I think, yeah, I think the thing that I see and the thing that I think is valuable is like just the sheer variety. Like, well, that and also I just think that creativity is so it's so defiant, like to be a primate and to be like, yeah, I'm going to make a wig. Or like, I'm going to make, I'm going to like organize these sound frequencies and make this thing. It's just kind of a miracle, I think. And regardless of whether it's like excellent in any particular way, like being creative is just, it's just, it's just a victory. Yeah. Um, And I also think it's very important to take those skills that those kind of those miracles that we feel as creatives that we can easily start taking for granted, I think, and tell other people like, Hey, don't miss this. Like, don't miss this part of like being this weird primate that we are and like apply it to like making stuff, whether it's like, you know, try a new pancake recipe on Saturday morning or, you know, whatever, or color your hair a different color or, you know, I don't know, like rearrange your furniture, even if it's something really small. Um, or think differently about like, you know, the neighbor who just moved in next to you, who like, you don't think you have anything in common with. Right. You know, one of my things, um, that I actually think is so interesting is that I'll always talk to, you know, whether it's a friend or somebody new that I meet and they're just like, man, like you're just so creative. And I was like, you know, it kind of really got me thinking as far as like, I think everybody has some sort of like element of creativity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think like they turned it off early on, you know, in their childhood. Yeah. And, but one of the, one of the things as well is that, you know, that has kind of made me um, survive with my creativity is that. I was so obsessed early on with becoming the best version Mm. that I didn't know how to share my art with people Mm. and I didn't know how to share my art with my partner. And so that's kind of what had made it to where I had, um, you know, a couple divorces that, you know, well, my first divorce that, you know, I didn't know how to share that art. And so Mm. my art was a competition to my partner. And so with my, um, my wife now, Kelsey, we, I wanted to bring my art into our life and I wanted to share my art. And so she felt 
equally involved and she wasn't competing against it. And I think that that has made it, um, you know, to where, because if I'm not creating and if I haven't created in a while, like I start to really get not into a good place mentally and I am not the best father and I'm not the best partner. And so, um, sharing my art with them and, allowing and immersing them into my art has made it more of a joyful experience. Totally. And so well, I'm sure it like makes your art better too. Like, you know, yeah, I think we can get very like, we can have like a scarcity mentality sometimes about these things. Um, I think in similar ways, like, cause I also get really depressed if I'm, um, if I'm not working on new projects, like I talked about this with another friend, but like, I feel like I need to be at the beginning of something in the middle of something at the end of something else. Like I need like that, all of those types of energy at any given time. And yeah, I also have had, I've Andrew and I have been together for 12 years, even though we're, I'm 33. It's still, we've been together a long time. Hashtag grow up Mormon. Um, anyway, but yeah, I, I also have found like, sometimes I'll have a tendency to kind of, um, like get fixated on my projects. Um, and the longer that Andrew and I are together, the more that I feel like, like we will actively apply like this creativity, like to our relationship. It's like, uh, like a, like a hack, like just take like these things that you're already doing and that you're great at and like apply them, like apply them to how you're thinking about the relationships in your life. I don't know. It feels like in retrospect, a no brainer, but I think it's not a no brainer. So yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, that, that's kind of something that I think, you know, you're just trying to ebb and flow through life so you can, you know, cause at the end of the day, it's like, I want to, you know, share my creativity with my kids and I want to be, I want them to be creative whether they choose to or not. But you know, give them the outlet to do that. And, you know, if my wife, you know, she has her own type of like thing that she does that I could never do that. I don't know if she really considers it creative, but she, you know, runs a household and just, you know, does her thing. And so at the end of the day, it's like, we have our system that works. And so that's, and that's creative. Yeah. hundred percent. Keep interrupting. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I really believe that like these little skills that we learn, making things and doing our like mediums they uh, they are meta skills for parenting for marriage for being a member of a society for being a member of like a like a for for being like a a citizen you know um i don't know and we need we it's like what do they say it's like the one thing that like is unique about humans right like we should lean into it more. Yeah, totally. 100%. <laughs> solve our problems. Um, is there anything else you want to say about art or creativity or your career? Um, you know, it's, it, it's just been, um, I mean, I, I, I feel like it was, I, I just feel super blessed to be able to, um, live my life creating, you know, I was actually just talking with my wife the other day and, you know, like I am at a point, you know, like, I can raise my prices at any point. Like I don't really, I mean, I work for a company that, you know, they are definitely the bosses, but you know, I don't have one of my, you know, it, 
you know, where essentially people are being laid off right now because mm-hmm. the economy is going through a lot. Like that's not going to happen. You know, like the hair world is not going to go up in flames at all. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel very honored and blessed to be able to do what I do, like, which is create every day and it's creating hair. You know, um, I get a play DJ, um, a few times a month and just, you know, being able to do photography as well and then post-production. And, you know, I just feel really super honored and blessed because, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that don't get to do what they do. And I feel very happy about that. So at the end of the day, it's like, and I, I'm really glad that I have the support system with my family and my beautiful wife. And so, you know, yeah, man, I mean, it's awesome. It is awesome. You know? Yeah. And, and, and you didn't have anything like special at the beginning. You weren't like particularly good at these things. No. You, these are choices. Yeah. Yeah. And people can, people can create the kind of life they want. I mean, you know, to say nothing of like privilege and we live in a place where we have like a lot of options and, you know, but I think the principle is true. <laughs> like, right. There are like, there are different perspectives. There are like ways to kind of, I don't know, look for, like, look, look for the people that, you know, will let you build a branch in this direction and right. don't be afraid to suck at things. Yeah, man. You know? I, yeah. And I think that too many people are all like, they want to be good, like really fast. And I'm like, dude, it, it takes time to get really good at it. And I think that if you're naturally really skilled at the very beginning, I'm like, that's awesome. And that's, that's, that's great. But, you know, sometimes at the end of the day, the experience is what makes you, you know, have longevity, Yeah. you know, like, well, I think it builds resilience. Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe you have to be kind of stubborn. I also identify as a stubborn person, but I have to be maybe like a little stubborn to have that resilience from the get go to be like, yeah, I suck at this and it's making me mad. Like right. I'm going to keep working on it. Cause like, yeah, at this point, like giving up is just going to make me furious. And it's almost going to make you have like tough skin because that's what I'm saying. You it know, builds resilience. like people yeah. are mean, yeah. you know, yeah. and like if you put something out there and, you know, I've had people comment on like my YouTube videos where, you know, again, I'm like, I'll just laugh it out. My, my video guys, like, you want to take that down? I'm just like, no, dude, like keep it up there, man. I'll respond to them. Like, yeah. and it's just, it's interesting. Cause you know, that experience, like, you don't know where their headspace is, where people are kind of like, oh, this is crap. It looks like crap, like yada, yada, yada. And you're just like, all right, you know, that's cool, man. Like, you know, and I've even had people where they'll say that about some of the collections I've created. And I'm just like, dude, like, it's all good. Art is subjective. And you have to have that, you know, tough skin. If you're going to create, you're going to put it out there. Because there's a lot of people that will create and they won't put their work out there at all for anybody to hear or see or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, if you put yourself out there, be ready because people are not going to be nice. Well, that's also, that goes back to like this building taste. Like if you trust your own taste and you don't feel like your taste has been built by other people just being like, you like this, we like this, we approve this. But if you feel like your, your personal like compass of values, like you can look at something and just feel totally confident being like, I like this. And if someone else is like, no, this is totally shitty. You can be like, I don't know, man, like I think it's great or whatever. Then you're going to be able to apply that to your own work too. Right. Um, yeah, that feels, that feels important. And also, yeah, like you, you suck at something, you get better at it. The next time you suck at something, it's a little bit less scary. Cause you're right. like, remember how I used to suck at that other thing? 
and now I get paid money for it. So, right. you know, right. just like those reminders to kind of just, I, I do think that's creative. Like those are, those are like these life, like we create these individual things. You create a collection, you create a photograph, but like in a bigger picture way, like continuing to work on those things you sucked at is creative too. Right. right. Kind of just like figuring out, you know, what your life is going to be like. Totally. Okay. I always ask everybody the same two questions at the end. The first is what's your dream collaboration? Um, my dream collaboration is, um, I, there, there's an artist, his name is Robert Labetta. Um, he's been a really big mentor of mine for years. Um, I've met him a few times and he's like the Salvador Dali of hairdressing. Sweet. Um, he is somebody that I would love to collaborate with because he is just, you know, the way he looks at hair, he looks at it as a, as a fabric and, you know, he just, he, he, he's one of the true hair artist that I uh, have always looked up to, man. He is just somebody that is, he's a badass. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds great. I love it. Uh, and then where can people find your work? So you can find my work at, um, on Instagram, uh, it's, uh, Jake Thompson hair. Um, and then on YouTube, Jake Thompson creative. And so, and then my website, we're actually redesigning right now. Um, and that should be either jakethompsonhair.com or jakethompsoncreative.com. So, um, both of those will work, but right now, I mean, um, we are, I've been working on this hairbrush since 2016. It's pretty badass you know it's pretty amazing um again like me being an artist visually like to look at it it looks like a piece of art but it is fully functioning like it's actually 3d printed wow um which is pretty awesome and then i mean right now so yeah that's kind of where i'm at uh with all that good stuff awesome well jake thanks so much for coming on the podcast it was great to talk to you it was super awesome and i'm really uh Super excited that you invited me on. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from My Album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, you can reach me through my website, emilymerrellmusic.com. That's E-M-I-L-Y-M-E-R-R-E-L-L music.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.